want to um, I, I want to share some with you for a little bit this evening, and and feel like again the Lord has uh, given me some clear direction to share with you, and so uh, we're we're going to begin with that James chapter one, and um, I guess one of the good things about Sunday nights and Thursday nights is you you all are having to get back into practice of having your own Bible, whether that's um, digital or um, an actual Bible in your hands. Since uh, in the evenings, I know Sunday mornings we have been, but in the evenings we haven't been posting our scriptures. So hopefully you've got your your Bible uh, with you, whatever form or fashion that is, so that you're able to follow along, at least in the, you got a old-fashioned Bible in your hands, then you've only got one translation. If you've got a digital Bible, then maybe you can also keep up with some of the other translations uh, as well. So James chapter 1, James 1, and we're going to start reading with verse number 1, James 1 and verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The Amplified, verse number 3. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. The Living Bible, verse 3. For when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And don't try to squirm out of your problems For when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. And then lastly, the Message Bible, verse 3. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I, I, and obviously most of you that know me know the Message Bible is often the translation I go to. I just like the way it states some things. And I like the way it says, verse 3, that when you are under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. You know, uh, 
There's no doubt these last couple of weeks, as we have experienced in a variety of ways, our our walk with God, our faith in God, the church and what the church is all about has been uh, put under some some circumstances that has has forced our faith life uh, into the open and obviously not into the open in the context of publicly, but into the open in the sense of of uh, sort of shaking it up. I, I had an interesting experience a couple of weeks ago, or I guess it's a little bit more than that now. I feel like I'm in good company, the number of us that have lost track of what day or month or week or whatever it is. Um, so I, it's, I guess it's probably been a month or so ago at least. I've, I've referenced a time or two that uh, over the last year or so, I've, I've in addition to uh, playing racquetball, I've started going to the Y and, and doing some exercising. And um, I, I, I was, I have to say, I was, I was, um, I, I, I may be proud of myself, not in a, not in a really, really proud way, but in a sort of proud way. I was, I was going several times a week. I'd go and I'd spend almost an hour when I went and I had some things I did and I, I just kind of felt like that, you know, I, I don't know if I'm being that productive. And so I, I talked to Sister Madison Lennycamp, who is a, a, tr- a trainer, personal trainer, and um, works at the Naval Academy, actually. And so I, 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 I talked to her and I said, you know, I, I'd like some help. I'd like some guidance because um, I, I don't want to waste my time. I mean, I, I realized that doing something at the gym was was better than nothing, but I, I just kind of had this this feeling that I really wasn't being the most productive. And so we communicated several times at church and then, uh, she, she shared with me some workout routines. And, uh, the first night I went and tried one of her workout routines. It was very different than what I had been doing. I left the gym much more exhausted. My, my endurance, my stamina was tested in a whole new way. And I think that's part of what's going on right now. We, we've got our spiritual stamina, our spiritual endurance has been sort of forced into a whole new, uh, level, if you will. And, and while we continue, and again, over the next couple of weeks, I believe we're going to do some more things to provide connection and ministry at the same time, we're still in a position that we've, we've got to depend upon our personal relationship with God in, in some ways more than ever. And, and I, I appreciate again all of the feedback about how things have been going in your homes and the presence of God and all of that. But, but obviously that's still not the same as, as what we are used to. And so, James, James, according to the Message Bible, is, says that, that when we're under pressure, when we're under adversity, when we are in unusual circumstances, our faith life is forced into the open and shows its true color. So all of that, reading all of those verses, reading in the King James verses 1 through 4, to draw your attention this evening to basically one very small, simple word, and it's found in verse number four, and it's the second word of that verse, and it's simply the word let, let, 
Now let me remind you, and I know many of you know, you've heard the definition of the word patience, the the Greek definition of the word patience, but but let me just remind you of that, or maybe somebody's you're listening right now and you've never really heard it, so so that you understand what the what the scripture means by patience. According to Strong's, the word patience means cheerful or hopeful endurance, constancy. I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily like that word cheerful in the definition, but it is there. And then according to Thayer's, the word means steadfastness, constancy, endurance. It is a patient, steadfast waiting for. It is a patient, enduring, sustaining. And then the root word for patience, according to Strong's, means to stay under. To stay under. It means figuratively to undergo or to bear trials, to have fortitude, to persevere. So as I've said many times, the word patience in Scripture is not, you know, waiting somewhere for somebody or waiting on an appointment and you have a smile on your face and it's running behind, it's late, but you're still happy. That That's really not the context of this word here. It is cheerful endurance. It is it is staying under. It is, it is not, uh, it's not getting out from under a load or a weight or a burden that you are under. So, James says that patience is, is having, or it's, James is talking about patience having its perfect work. Let patience have her perfect work. But again, the key word here is the word let. He says, let patience. Now, I, I, I looked in my, uh, my, my Bible, my uh, leather Bible, because um, at least it appears to me that most digital Bibles do not show, in the King James, they don't show the italicized words like the printed Bible does. And as most of you know, the, the significance of that is the fact that a word that's in italics means it wasn't in the original Greek. And, and, and one of the reasons I went and did that is because when I looked up this verse in, in Strong's to try to find the definition, I couldn't find, I could not find the word let, uh, in, in that verse. And so I thought maybe that verse, maybe that word is, is, was added by the translators. And so, I went and, in fact, I checked two different Bibles to, to just kind of make sure. And in both of those Bibles, the word let is not in italics. So what that means is it was there in the original. And, and, uh, when I did pull up in Bible study software I used, that word let was connected to another word, but I, I couldn't find, and maybe it's there and I just missed it, but I couldn't find the word let in the Greek. But again, from, from the best I can tell, it, it's supposed to be there. It's not like some of the other places where a word, again, is in italics, and it's really not in the original it was added. The word let, it's, it's supposed to be there. And so let me just give you then the good old dictionary definition of the word let. And I will use the Cambridge Dictionary. 
And according to the Cambridge Dictionary, the word let means to allow something to happen or someone to do something by not doing anything to stop an action or by giving your permission. Since we don't have any place to go, let me read that one more time. To allow something to happen or someone to do something by not doing anything to stop an action or by giving your permission. So that word let is, if I let you, if I let you do something, I am, I'm allowing you to do something. I am, I'm not resisting you. Uh, I, I may, if nothing else, by my silence, I may be giving you permission to do something. And so James says, but let. That means we have to allow patience to do her perfect work. And the work that patience is trying to do is to cause us to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, amplified. It's so that we may be people that are perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. The Living Bible, when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. We we just a couple of months ago, as many of you know, we finished up an addition uh, on our house, and uh, it had a couple of parts to it. It's got a garage. It's got a, a, a living room. It's got a master bedroom, laundry room. Those are those are kind of the main areas. Let, let me let me let me uh, let me use that process to try to. I guess give you a sort of a mental picture here of, of this letting patience have her perfect work, her complete work, not, not cutting it off, not short circuiting it. It was about a year ago. In fact, a year ago, I think, uh, uh, well, it was about a year ago that I took the first picture and, uh, the process may have started a couple of days before that. So it would have been right around this same time. That, that addition was started and, and, uh, as a part of that process, there had to be a foundation laid. There were, there were footers that had to be dug and then concrete that, uh, blocks that were, were concrete that was poured and blocks that were, that were put in and then the slab was poured. That process had to be complete. The, the, uh, the framers did not show up when the when the guys were still pouring the slab. They had to let the foundation, they had to let the slab be complete. A part of that letting the slab be complete wasn't just for it to be poured, but but it had to set. It had to it had to be ready to be built on. And and then the framers come in and they start framing the house and and they begin framing the walls, but but the the electrician he didn't come in at the same time the framers were in the middle of framing the walls. He didn't start running electrical wires as the framers were putting up the studs for the walls. The plumber did not, and and of course there was some pipes that were put into the foundation and all of that. But as far as uh, the the rest of the plumbing and and running the the, the water pipes and and all of those things. He, he wasn't, the plumber wasn't here the same day the guys were framing. Each 
each part of the process had to be complete. The the framers had to let the foundation guys finish the foundation. The the electrician had to let the framers finish the framing. The the plumbers had to let the framers finish the framing and 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 the sheetrock guys definitely had to let some things happen. I mean, if they would have shown up before the electrical wires were run and just started putting up the sheetrock, that would have been a real disaster. And uh, many of you know that I, I like to paint. I enjoy painting. Um, if I'd have gotten my, uh, my my can of paint and my brush out um, when the when the electricians were running running the wiring in the in the studs, that I, that that was out of sequence. Each part of the process had to be allowed to be finished. And I guess one of the things that that, that just it seems to me about this time that we're in right now, and 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 I'm sure there are many different reasons, and there are many things God is doing, but it, it almost feels like to me God has sort of put us under a microscope right now, as far as in our personal relationship with Him, and and then also as a, as a church, not only a church but the church, uh, the church around the world that. That he's kind of put us in a microscope, or, or uh, actually, maybe let me rephrase that. Uh, I think more so a magnifying glass, where everything is kind of intensified right now. We 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 are sort of in in uh, in this uh, this this test tube, as I read the other night in one of the translations. I think Sunday night. We, we we're in this season where it's like everything is just sort of magnified. Our our our, uh, our our connection with God or our lack of connection, our connection with each other or our lack of connection with each other. But we've got to let, we have to allow, you and I have to allow. I, I, uh, I, the, the, it, it works that way in our physical bodies. There, there may be a surgery or uh, and a surgery, I guess, is a good analogy. If you especially on a on on one of your joints if if you go get surgery done on a a shoulder or a knee if if you uh if you do not let the healing process take place you you are going to uh do damage to the surgery that was done you've got to let it you've got to let it and and i i i've had a i i had shoulder surgery several years ago and I know some of you have had knee surgery and shoulder surgery and, 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 uh, especially I think some of you with knee surgery even more is, you know, you, you get kind of stir crazy. You want to get up. You want to do something. You want to go someplace. And, and so you are not letting, you're not letting the process do what it's supposed to do. And, and I just, I, I feel like the, the spirit of the Lord is sort of challenging us this evening that again, as we are in this this unique time and season, but when we come out of this, there are lessons that we have learned from this that we will still use in many other areas when when COVID nineteen has has run its course. I, I think it's hard for us sometimes to let patience have its perfect work. See. We need to be more focused on the purpose rather than the provision 
or the solution. Say that again. We need to be more focused on what the pur- what is the purpose? What is if you're sick, what is the purpose of what God is uh, trying to do in and through that sickness? If you're in financial crisis, what is the purpose? If you're in some turmoil, what is the purpose? If you lost your job through no fault of your own, what is the purpose? We we spend most of our time focusing on the provision or the solution. We spend most of our time, if we're sick, God heal me, God heal me, rather than focusing on letting, letting, allowing patience to have its perfect work. I, I want to take you back to that, to Thayer's definitions of the word patience, to the, to the second one. He says that patience, it is a, that patience means a patient, steadfast, waiting for. But here's the question. Waiting for what? Waiting for what? Patience is a steadfast waiting for. But what are you waiting for? Are we waiting for God to take care of this crisis? Are we waiting for God to... To, to bring healing to the world from the coronavirus? Are we waiting for this to pass? Or are we waiting for patience to accomplish its perfect work? You know, we, we actually can, can convince God if we press hard enough to sort of let us out of some things before His timing. Only problem with that is we have to repeat. He may let us out of it and give us a little bit of a break, but we're going to have to go back through it because there is a work that He is trying to accomplish. There is there is something He is trying to do. And, and I have to be honest with you. I, I, I know I've spent a lot of time... We. We 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 dealt with a couple of things the last couple of months on a personal level, and that that my focus has simply been when when are we going to get through this? When when are you going to fix this, God? When are you going to change this? When are you going to solve this? Rather than focusing on letting patience, letting me, you, you letting patience have its perfect work. Barnes Note says this about this idea of patience having its perfect work. Patience under trials is fitted to produce important effects on the soul. And we are not to hinder them in any manner by a perverse spirit or by opposition to the will of God. Everyone who is afflicted should desire that the fair effects of affliction should be produced on his mind or that there should be produced in his soul precisely the results which his trials are adapted to accomplish. I think think we could sort of say it this way. Our trials are a prescription from God. They are prescribed by God for us 
to work something in our lives. And, and, and I think uh, based, on, based on our makeup, based on our personality, based on our individual nature, God doesn't use the same thing for each person. God doesn't use the same test for every person. God, God doesn't put us all through the exact same things. Yeah, we, we may face similar things or, or we may deal with some things that are similar in principle, but yet each one is sort of tailored to us as individuals. There are some that, that the testings that they go through and the trial of their patience is things that everyone can see. Everyone's aware of it's it's a sickness, it's a tragedy, it's the it's the loss of a loved one, and so everybody's sort of aware that this person is under something. But then there's a lot of times and and a lot of experience that I've had, and I I think a number of you probably could relate to is that you you are under some things, but what God has chosen to put you under. Everybody doesn't see. It's not something that everybody is automatically aware of. In fact, it, it may look from the outside as though you, 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 your life is good. Everything is in order. Everything is going well. And yet, God has got you under some things. You know, we could, I could drive through my neighborhood. You can drive through your community and, and we can drive by houses that from the outside look like nice houses. Maybe they look like nice townhomes or nice condos and, and, and we drive by houses that have well manicured lawns and, and, uh, things appear to be in order and maybe there's nice cars that are parked in the driveways of those houses. But ultimately you really don't know by driving by what's going on inside that house. Because there's some of those houses, and some of you know this firsthand from people you work with, or maybe your family members, or maybe your own past experiences, but you, you, you know there's, that's a nice house, that's a, that's a nice looking place to live, but inside of that house there's, there's contention, there's, there's turmoil, there's strife, there's a broken family. And, and I think that's kind of the way it is for, for us, uh, a number of times, probably for all of us. From the outside, you, you can't tell. And, 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 and people can't just easily recognize that you're, you're under a load, you're under a weight, and yet you're under it. But the question is, are, are we letting it? Are we letting it? You know, it, it'd be kind of like, um, and this is not intended to be any kind of an endorsement for either of these things, but it'd be kind of like, you know, taking some um, uh, some kind of pills at night to aid you to go to sleep and then, you know, washing it down with a, a Mountain Dew or a, what is it, Jolt or whatever that is, Extreme Mountain Dew. I mean, they're <laughs> they're conflicting. One thing is supposed to calm you and settle you, and the other thing is amping you up. And, and, and that's kind of how it is when, when God is allowing things to go on in our lives. And yet all we're worried about is, you know, God, I, I want this pain to end. I want the turmoil to end. I, I, I want this pressure to end. 
Because when I'm fighting that, I am not letting, I am not letting patience have its perfect work. I am not letting the endurance produce what it, what it is designed, what God has intended it to produce. Job said this, I think I read these verses a couple of weeks ago, but use them in this, or use this verse in this context tonight. Job says, in, in, in Job 23 and verse 10 and the verses before this are the verses where, where he states that I looked for, he was trying to find God. I looked in front, I looked behind, left, right, I, I can't find him. And then he says this in verse 10. He knows the way that I take. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, when he has tried me, I want you to make sure you you get the last part of this verse because the last part of this verse is is telling us the outcome of what God is doing. The, The goal of the outcome is good. It's not evil. Job says, I will come forth as gold. I can't find God. I've, I've lost everything. I've lost my possessions. I've lost my children. And, and, and my wife has, in, has encouraged me to just curse God and die. And, and now I can't find God. But He knows where I am. And, and when I come through this, when He has tested me and tried me, and, and if I decide to stay under... If I decide to let God, I know that, I don't know, maybe not to you, but to me that seems like a, you know, a little bit presumptuous. Let, I, I have to let God. Well, the fact is God gave us a free will and, and, and God gave us the right to choose. And so therefore we have the right to choose to oppose what God is trying to do in our lives. So yes, let God, let God do what he's trying to do. Understanding that the outcome of what God is trying to do is not to destroy me. It's not that I will be, be damaged good. I mean, here's Job again. He's lost everything. His world has completely fallen apart around him. But he says, when I come through this, I'm going to be like gold. I'm not going to be like rubbish, rubbish or, or, or trash or garbage to be tossed to the side. I'm going to come through this and I'm going to be like gold, but I've got to let patience. I've got to let endurance. You know, Jesus told the story of the unjust judge and and the woman that had this, you know, she she has the debt to pay and she's got a child and she's got this 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 very challenging situation. And, and, and he, and she keeps coming to the judge and knocking on his door and begging for mercy and, and he keeps turning her away. But, but the, fi- finally he responds and, and the Bible says it was speedily. Speedily. There, there's, I, I'm not gonna tell any of them because I don't have the permission and I'm not going to presume to have that, um, at this point. I, I don't ever wanna just insert here. I don't wanna ever do anything that, causes people to be gun-shy to share testimonies and stories of what God is doing. So I, I, I don't presume just to tell people stuff. But but I will tell you, there, there's a couple of situations right now, right now in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of... K. In fact, today, I, I, there was a testimony today. 
where God is just, it seems, we, a couple of weeks ago, Brother Eric England testified, suddenly God turned it around. If we could stop focusing again on the provision or the solution and get focused, God, what are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to work in me? What, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of what I'm going through? What, what is the purpose of what we're going through right now? But again, in the middle of, of this, what, what are you doing in me? That is what is so amazing. I, I don't remember if I said this in a, in a, in a service setting or if I, I if it was one on one, but, but one of the things that I think I may have said it in one of these live streams, but one of the things that's so amazing to me about God, just take a, take a family situation, an individual family situation. And you've got a, you've got an issue that there, maybe it's a sickness, maybe a parent has been diagnosed with some kind of, uh, sickness. And, and so you got a parent and, and, and you got a spouse and maybe you got some kids and you got other relatives that are, uh, either in that house or very closely connected. And so here you have sort of one circumstance, but in each one of those people, in every single person connected to that, God has got something tailor made. That he's doing in them. And I believe that's the same thing right now. Here we have this, this issue that's affecting the world. And yet in each one of us. There's something God is wanting to do. There is something that God is intending for our patience to perfect in us. In this crisis. And, and so that we can be perfect and entire and wanting nothing. You see that? That's part of the problem we have is God's goal is to make us perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And sometimes that's not our goal. We, 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 we you know, over the last couple of years, it's, it's amazing what technology has developed in automobiles. And, and of course, I know now there, there's cars that I think pretty much can drive themselves. But I, I've, uh, I've, I've driven a couple of cars now where... Uh, the first thing was that was really cool was was adaptive cruise control and and a, you know the problem with regular cruise control is if you're in you know and you're in on the highway and there's a bunch of cars you set the cruise control at this at whatever speed you want it if it's faster than the cars in front of you you got to constantly adjust the speed and so. There's this thing now, adaptive cruise control, and, and you can set that cruise control, and if you come up on a car in front of you, the car will automatically slow itself down. If you get over in the lane to pass, it'll automatically speed back up. And now I've driven cars that not only have that, but they also will steer themselves. In fact, my mother's uh, Cadillac, which I'm now driving for a little while, does that, and a couple of months ago, we went out to do a video interview of Bishop Parent in Michigan, and Nathaniel was in the process of still accumulating drive time to get his license, and so we used that trip for that, except there was a huge amount of that drive time that he had that cruise control on, and it was driving itself pretty much. I don't know if that really counted or not, but we, we, we did use that. that that's kind of... I think a lot of times that's kind of our goal in life. I just want to set the cruise control of life. And I just want to, I just want to cruise through life. 
And if I, you know, if I got to slow down a little bit here and there, whatever, but let's just, but you know what? That's, that's not God's goal. God's goal is that you and I will be perfect or complete and entire, wanting, lacking nothing. And it is through our trials and our tests and the difficulties that we go through and the patience that we allow to work in us that is a part of the process of producing that. Paul said it like this in Galatians 4.19 in the King James. He says, I, I travail till Christ be formed in you. The Amplified says it this way, My little children for whom I am again suffering birth pangs until Christ is completely and permanently formed, molded within you. But wait a minute, is that is that what we signed up for with this thing called Christianity? Is that what we got into this for? It may not be what you and I maybe got into it for, but that's God's goal. God's goal is to be completely and permanently molded, formed within us. That's that's God's purpose. That's God's desire. And, 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 And oftentimes I think the angst between us and God is... God is operating based on His purpose and we are operating and living based on our purpose and we, we, we want God to adjust to our purpose. <laughs> Rather than us adjusting to God's purpose, we want God to adjust to our purpose. But that's not His goal. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16, For which cause we faint not, But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Our our outward man is struggling. Our our outward man is going through some, some challenges and some difficulties. But the inward man, the inward man is renewed day by day. That, that's those people that you get around that you know they're in crisis. You know that, that they've got pain in their body. They're dealing with sickness or, or they're dealing with fi- family crisis or financial crisis. You know what they're going through and yet you get around them and it's not some kind of fake manufactured thing, but they've got a smile on their face and, and, and the words that come out of their mouth are positive and encouraging and uplifting. I think I think one of the best examples that I know of when it comes to that is is is, is when Sister Teresa Neiser was in the hospital and turned out that from that stay she passed away and went on to her eternal reward. There, there was a part of time while she was in there, she especially and the rest of us were believing that she was going to come out of there. God was going to heal her. But my wife and I went up to see her one day in, uh, I think, at uh, uh, University of Maryland Hospital, if I'm not mistaken, up in Baltimore. And, and we went in her room, and we went in there. And, of course, we were going in there to, to visit her, to encourage her, to, to comfort her, to, to help uplift her spirit. 
And I, I don't know how it happened. I don't know what part of the conversation had happened. But by the time we walked out of that room, the opposite had happened. <laughs> she had she had spent uh, most of the time encouraging my wife and I, and and speaking positive words of faith to us. And 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 I walked out of there thinking that's that's not what was supposed to have just happened. We were there to try to help her, and yet we've, we've walked. That's to me is someone that the outward man, and for her it was literally happening. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Now watch this. Now, now, you know, if, if I was the one that was, uh, the originator of these next words, you know, I, I, from my perspective, I, I've, have lived a very fortunate, blessed life, and, and I know blessing is not defined by money and all that stuff. But some of the measurements that we define blessing, I, I have I have had a very blessed life. I've been through some challenges and difficulties, but in comparison, so I, I want to remind you that the one who is saying this, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was imprisoned. He was betrayed. He, he went through some major difficulties. And listen to what he calls it in verse 17. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Oh man, if, if that verse is ever applied, does it apply right now? Because even if it's a couple of more months, even if we are quarantined until June or whenever it is, the bottom line, it is temporal. It is temporary. But what we have felt here this evening, what you have felt, in your homes, what we felt the last several weeks when we've joined together by technology, but also what you felt in your own time of prayer and worship and devotion and, and, and fellowship with God, that is not temporal. That's not temporal. I was outside doing a little bit of yard work today and my, my next door neighbor, I, I heard her yell out a hello and I spent several minutes and and we were talking, and of course it was the it was sort of the basic pleasantries, if you will, of this is you know crazy what we're going this and that and 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 just and and that was kind of the extent. I don't know how much she knows about the eternal things that you and I are blessed to know about. That when all of this passes, and ultimately when life itself passes, at whatever point that does. For each one of us. So the rapture takes place. It's the things we've been living for. That are not seen. Let's go back to verse 17. Our light affliction. Our light affliction. Our light affliction. Again. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was betrayed. He was shipwrecked. He had all kinds of perils. And trials. And difficulties. And Paul says all of that is light. All of that is light. If anybody had a right to call affliction heavy and, and horrible and difficult, Paul. And yet Paul says it's light. But why is it light? 
It's light because he had an, he had a, he had his focus on what it was doing and it was producing something of eternal value and significance. And, and whether you and I like it or not, whether it's what we want or not, God does and allows things in our lives for the purpose of producing an eternal weight of glory. I don't know about you, but I have to say, my faith has been strengthened these last couple of weeks. I, I know that, you know, the world of where's God? If God's real, how come He's allowing this? And if God's real, how come this? I, I, my faith has not been shaken these last couple of weeks. My faith has been strengthened. My faith has been strengthened because we have faced challenging circumstances as, as a body. And I've seen how the church is able to overcome those and, 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 who knows what the future holds, but I also know that God builds upon our experiences. And so whatever the future may hold, we're learning hold, may hold. We're learning some things right now. But also that I, I, I can't wait. I've said it. I'm going to keep saying it. I cannot wait till we get together again. I cannot wait for the first time we're able to gather together on the hill again. I am anxiously awaiting that whenever it finally happens. But at the same time, I don't know about you, but I've never experienced this way what I've experienced the last several weeks. Whether it's on a Sunday morning at church with mostly empty chairs and only the worship team and the, and the tech crew there and yet worshiping and feeling the powerful presence of God and then now several times in, in my home us worshiping and, and what I have felt that God is no less here than He is when we're all together. Not, not questioning or doubting God and wondering where God is. In fact, I, I feel like right now in some ways I, I know where He is more than ever. He's right with us. And all of this, all of this is producing. Yeah, I know there's things God's trying to do in the church and God's trying to do in the world, but again... Tonight I'm focusing from the perspective of a pastor and those of you that are listening and watching that I am your pastor. And I believe God is, is trying to, to do something in each one of us individually, but we've got to let it. We've got to let it. I, I guess in some ways, I know I said it earlier that sometimes we can convince God to stop things or get us out of things prematurely and He will and, and then we also have to you know, sort of learn that lesson again at some point. But there's also times where he won't let us out of it. He doesn't stop it prematurely. The issue is how long are we going to fight it? How long are we going to wrestle with it? How long are we going to struggle with God for God to do our will rather than for us to do God's will? At what point are we going to decide to let, let, allow I'm not going to oppose it. I'm not going to resist it. Uh, again, this sounds a bit presumptuous, but based on the definition of the word, I, I'm going to give God permission to do whatever He wants to do. Last passage, 1 John 3, verse number 1. Behold, what manner of love 
the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. And then John says, now we are, right now, we are the sons of God. When we are born again, we are the sons of God. And again, the gender here is, 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 is not, this is not about the gender. This is about the relationship. When we're born again, we are individually sons of God, male or female. And again, when we're born again, collectively, we are the bride of Christ, male or female. But he says, now, now, now are we the sons of God. I, I've got, as most of you know, I've got two sons. The moment they were born, they were my sons. That moment. But, but here's the deal. Let me read the rest of this verse first. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, now get this. Right now, we are the sons of God. We are not earning sonship. We are not, uh, uh, we are not going to school to be sons. Our birth, our spiritual birth, determined that we were sons. But we don't know everything we're going to be. The day my sons were born, they were my sons. But who they are now, 19 years later for one, 17 years later for this, is a lot different than who they were the day they were born. And so, how awesome is it? We're born again and we are sons. We don't have to earn sonship. We don't have to deserve sonship. We don't have to, we don't have a, uh, we don't have to go through some kind of ritual or, or, or earn the right to be a son. We're born again and we're sons. But, but even though when we are born again we are sons, what we shall be has not been revealed yet. And verse three says, every man that hath this hope, the hope that comes from verse two, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. When I'm born again, I become a son of God. But now I've got something put inside of me that is working to develop and grow me so that I can become. I, I don't know everything I'm going to be yet. I don't know everything God's going to do in my life. I, I don't know everything God's going to work through me, but I am becoming and so everything God is doing, God's purpose is to take me from wherever I am to that finished product. That's God's goal. That's God's purpose. There's probably some of you watching that could share this point. You got, you got saved, you got baptized, you got the Holy Ghost, and you went and and you started telling people, ah, the best thing that's ever happened has happened. I, I got the Holy Ghost. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened. And you go tell people that, man, you're just cranked about it. It's so awesome. And that's a lot of people's experience. But the problem is this. There's a, it's, I guess the, the, probably the best term would be there's, there's a little bit of a honeymoon 
experience. When somebody gets saved, because usually that's what happens. They get saved, and this is so awesome. They got the Holy Ghost. They feel the joy of the Lord. They feel peace they've never felt before. Maybe, maybe some people, when they got the Holy Ghost, they were they were uh, addicted to various things, and they got the Holy Ghost, and they were delivered. And this, woo, this is so awesome. It's kind of the bait. And then when you finally take that big bite, the Lord does a yank on the pole and sets the hook. You can be a little more honest, maybe than in a church service, because nobody knows besides your family. But I wouldn't be surprised if there's some that have thought, you know what, man, it was... There was some things about being in the world that was a whole lot easier than living for God. There were, there were some times in the world that my life was easier. And if you've said that, I, I personally believe you're absolutely right. And the reason I say that is because when you, before you were saved, you did not have this spiritual battle going on. You did not have your spiritual man that was hungering and desiring the things of God and then this carnal man that wanted to do its own thing, live its own way. And you got saved and now you've got this warfare going on. And that's why I think so many times when people first get saved, it seems so wonderful, but then God starts working. It's the statement bishops use it many times now. I, I don't know if it's original to him or somebody else, but I'm just acknowledging it's not original for me. And that is that God loves us the way we are. But He loves us too much to leave us the way we are. If you're sitting here and watching, listening this evening, that's because there's a good chance you've survived that honeymoon phase. And you've decided, you know what, this is not just about comfort and ease and convenience. There's something bigger. There's something greater at work. There is an eternal purpose that is going on. There are eternal things that God is trying to produce in my life. And as simple as the one small word is in all of those verses, I must let. I must let it work. I must let it do what God intends. God sends it. God allows it, whatever it is. He sends it. He allows it for a purpose. But I choose whether or not I'm going to let it accomplish that purpose. I can fight against it. I can resist it. I may even end up convincing God to let me out of it prematurely if that's really what I convince Him I want. But if I will decide to let patience have its perfect work, then what I can look forward to is that I am going to be complete and entire and lacking nothing. Father, I pray that you would help us again this evening. Lord, it's so easy in our flesh, in our humanity, to focus on the solution, focus on the answer. In fact, that's that's a big part of the conversation in the world and the news is the, the answer, the solution to the virus and the issues that we're facing.
But God, as believers, as saints, the issue, the question, the focus shouldn't be first and foremost, what can, what's the answer? What's the solution? How can we fix the problem? How can we get over this? How can we get through this? The, the real thing that we need to be focusing on is what is your purpose in this? God, our flesh is so quick to resist and fight and oppose what you're trying to do. But I pray that in the circumstances we're in, we could learn in a whole new way, in a whole new level, what it means to let patience have its perfect work. So that when we come out of this, God, and then we face individually things that we will face in our futures and things that we will also face collectively, that we will be able to go through those things again with the confidence that our affliction, our light affliction, is trying to produce something of eternal value. Something that doesn't fade away, that's temporal, but something that lasts forever. Father, I yield and submit again this evening. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are watching right now that you would give them the grace and the strength again to let you, to allow you to do what it is you're trying to do. That we would understand, God, that it's the outcome, the goal that you have is good. It's not bad. It's not to destroy us. It's not for us to be damaged for the rest of our lives, but it's to come out of it as pure gold. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let your grace continue to work in our lives, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you, and until next time.